passage today is John chapter 6, uh, verses 35 through 40. Uh, so we'll read that, and then uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. Uh, but John 6, 35 through 40. Uh, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe me. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for your son Jesus and for who he is to us, uh, that uh, whoever comes to him uh, will never hunger, whoever believes in him will never thirst. And we pray that uh, you would be with us by your spirit and teach us uh, what your word has to say and show us uh, how good and beautiful Jesus is and how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the passage we just read, um, it's, uh, it's the one where Jesus says, I'm the bread of life or the living bread, like we just read. And to give a little bit of background for this passage, uh, just before this, uh, Jesus had fed 5,000 men, uh, plus even more women and children. And so the crowds continued to follow Jesus uh, because um, he, he just fed them. Uh, and so there's a conversation between Jesus and the crowd where Jesus tells them to work for the bread that doesn't perish, but that endures to eternal life. And he tells them that God the Father gives this bread from heaven, which will give life to the world. And so the crowd is interested, and they ask Jesus, give us this bread always. And it's, it's this request that Jesus is responding to when he says, I am the bread of life. And so just like all of, of Jesus' I am statements in the Gospel of John, uh, the, the am part of the I am, uh, it tells us something about Jesus' identity and mission uh, but the real emphasis of the I am is on the I. Uh, so on the one hand, Jesus is using the metaphor of this living bread to teach people about himself. Uh, but more than that, when he says, I am the bread of life, uh, Jesus is emphasizing that it's Jesus himself uh, that the people need, not something external to him, like his miracles or the things that he could do for the crowd. And so if there's one thing I want us to come away with this morning, uh, it's that Jesus is abundantly sufficient uh, to satisfy our deepest hunger. He's enough to meet our deepest need. Uh, he's more than enough to meet the deepest need of, of the people of Warm Springs Reservation, where I work. He's more than enough to meet the deepest needs of this church, and he's more than enough to meet your need as well. Uh, to show us this, Jesus says two things about whoever comes to him. First, that they will never hunger and never thirst. And second, that he will never cast them out. And to prove these things, Jesus says a third thing, that he has come down to us, that before anyone comes to Jesus, he is the one who has come near. Uh, so let's take a look at those three things. Uh, like, I, like I just said, the first thing that Jesus says about whoever comes to him <clears throat> is that they will never hunger, and that whoever believes in him will never thirst. And this presumes that there is a hunger. And I think that's a safe thing to say about any person, Every person hungers because the world isn't the way that it's supposed to be. The world is broken. Uh, the circumstances of our lives are messed up. 
And we ourselves are also not yet everything that we were meant to be. For the crowds that were following Jesus, uh, the different people in the crowd, they had different needs. Uh, But one thing that they all had in common was that they were all living under Roman rule in a society that viewed them as subhuman. They were vulnerable to exploitation, and they had little protection. And so those people, they were hungry for a king who would restore the kingdom of Israel and give them the safety that they needed. That's why right before this story, uh, they were about to try to take Jesus and, and make him king by force. And for the people of the Yakima Reservation and the Warm Springs Reservation and many other tribal communities, uh, the hunger is clear. There's widespread hopelessness and violence and poverty and neglect that pervade the lives of many people in these communities. Maybe some of you are familiar with the hardships that many people in uh, tribal communities in the U.S. face. Uh, But for those of you who aren't, I'm just going to lay out some things to give you a little bit of a picture. On some reservations, uh, Native American women and girls are ten times as likely to be murdered compared to the general population. Over 84% of Native women and girls have experienced or will experience physical or sexual assault in their lifetime. About 75% of the youths in the town of White Swan, where Sacred Road is based on the Yakima Reservation, are functionally homeless. All of the people uh, connected to our ministry have been affected in some way by the impacts of alcohol and substance abuse. By some counts, uh, the life expectancy on the Yakima Reservation is just 39 years, and it's not, not much higher on the Warm Springs Reservation. Native American people as a whole are four times more likely to die by suicide compared with the general population. And that number jumps even higher if you're just looking at the Native youth population. There is a deep need and a deep hunger. And what about you? What are the things that you're hungry for? You don't need to compare it with the things I just listed uh, because everyone's experience is their own. And it doesn't even need to be the big things that you think will heal the brokenness of the whole world. The things that you're hungry for are also the things, the smaller things that you catch yourself thinking, if this were different, or if I had this, uh, my life would be all right. Maybe you're hungry for somewhere to belong, and you've done all sorts of things uh, to, to try to fit in or prove that you belong, but you still feel like a stranger, and that there isn't anywhere that you truly belong. Maybe it's in your career. That if you could get into a great school or get a great job, that your life will be okay. Maybe it's your physical or mental health. That you're so tired of living with your health challenges that if they could go away, your life wouldn't be perfect, but you'd be all right. The good news is that whatever you're hungry for, Jesus invites you to come to him. And even though this is good news, it can also be hard news for us to receive. Uh, Because Jesus isn't just talking about coming to him in a generic sense. The crowds, they came to Jesus, uh, but they wanted to see more miracles. They wanted to make him king so he would fix all their problems. But when Jesus talks about coming to him, he isn't saying that he will give us everything on the list of things we're hungry for. He's inviting us to realize that our deepest hunger is for him. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying that he is the only one who can satisfy the deepest desire of our hearts. And Jesus' invitation to those who hunger 
isn't that he's just one, one dish in a long buffet line. It's that Jesus himself, all of who he is for his people and all of his work for us, is the entire feast. Do you realize that whatever you're hungry for, more than you need that thing, that you need Jesus himself? For all of the brokenness in the world, for all of the mess of our lives, for all of our sinfulness and the ways that we hurt, our deepest need and our truest hunger is for Jesus. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst, that means that he is more than sufficient for that hunger. So wherever you find yourself this morning, can you believe that Jesus is sufficient for you? That's such an easy thing to say. But it's so hard sometimes to believe and to have a deeply felt sense in your body that Jesus truly is enough. So fortunately, that's not where Jesus stops. He has more to say. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Uh, it describes the experience of the one who comes to Jesus. But the next thing that Jesus says is less about the one who comes to him and more about how Jesus treats those people who come to him. He says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And here Jesus shows us his heart toward hungry and thirsty people who come to him in deep need, knowing that he is the only one who can satisfy that need. And I just want to mention that uh, I'm indebted to Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, for some of the insights in this section. Uh, but Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And think about that phrase, cast out, thrown away, tossed aside like trash. A lot of people on the reservation feel that way historically, societally, culturally, and personally. Historically speaking, their land was stolen and they were placed on remote reservations, tossed aside and hardly ever thought about. They were told that their culture was worthless, that they didn't know how to care for the land or, for the, or raise their own children, and so their children in the land were taken away. Their children were taken away into boarding schools where they were indoctrinated into a per perverse mixture of Christianity and Western American culture, on top of being subject to severe deprivation and physical, emotional, and sexual abuse at those schools. Today, children on the reservation feel cast out when their parents desert them, or when they experience neglect because their parents' relationship with a substance is more significant than their parents' relationship with them. One Sunday last year, I was playing octoball after church with the kids up at Hope Fellowship, and an 11-year-old girl just casually said, my parents left me for drugs, and several other kids chimed in and said, same, or me too. The children also feel cast out when abuse teaches them that they're meant to be used and disposed, not meant to be loved. The youths feel cast out when they're, they're functionally homeless because no one wants them, and so they move from house to house. They feel cast out when they're, they have to take care of their younger siblings, but no one gives them the care and love that they need. They feel cast out when their friends die early in tragic deaths and leave them all alone. And many adults who used to be these youths, who used to be these kids, have learned deep in their being that they are cast out, thrown away, that that's who they are. The good news for them and the good news for us 
is that Jesus will never, ever cast out any hungry, thirsty, hurting person who comes to him. The way I will never cast them out is phrased, is the strongest way in the Greek language to put it. It's not just that Jesus won't cast them out, it's that there's no possible world where Jesus could ever cast them out. For anyone who is needy and hurting and hungry, who comes to Jesus as the one that they truly need, he will never, ever cast them out. In fact, it's just the opposite. They are embraced into God's family, and they're held secure in his love. So come to Jesus as you are with all of your sin, with all of your neediness, with all of your hopelessness, all of your brokenness, and find that Jesus meets your deepest need. This is what every human soul is truly hungry and thirsty for, fellowship with God. Because to be in fellowship with God is to know a love that chooses you, that knows you to your deepest core, that unconditionally wraps you in its embrace, and that will never, ever let you go or throw you away. If you believe in Jesus, then this love belongs to you. And if you don't believe in Jesus yet, but you want to experience his love, Jesus offers it to you as a gift. And to receive it, you just need to come to Jesus with all of your sinfulness and brokenness. You need to believe in him to save you and forgive your sins. And if you're curious about how to come to Jesus, uh, the elders at this church or uh, any of the members that you know, they would love to tell you more. And this whole church uh, would love to grow with you in knowing the love of Jesus uh, that meets our deepest need. And let's just think about how we can lean into God's love for us uh, now that we're kind of full swing into another holiday season. Uh, Maybe you're someone who uh, loves everything about the holidays. There's great food. You're surrounded by the love of family and friends. Uh, You love the sense of, of wonder and anticipation. And the whole thing to you just represents everything that's right with the world. Everything good about the holiday season is a a small but true picture of God's goodness and his love for you. Uh, But maybe the holidays are hard for you. Maybe you're facing uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas without a loved one that you lost. Whether whether it's your first year or your tenth year, it'll it'll never be the same as it was before. And you don't know how you're going to make it through. Or maybe you're someone who doesn't have the spouse or the kids and you're dreading going through yet another holiday season alone. And all the social media posts and all the advertisements make it seem like everyone has, has their someone, uh, but you feel like you're not really someone to anyone. And the holiday season is just another reminder of how empty your life can feel sometimes. Wherever you are experiencing hunger and thirst, longing and emptiness in your life, know this. The fullness of God's love already belongs to you in Jesus. You are not cast out or overlooked. God sees you. He moves toward you. He embraces you in his love. And his desire for you is that his love would be like a well of water in your heart, overflowing to eternal life. Jesus came that you might have life, and not just a little bit of life, just enough to get by. He came that you might have life abundantly, This is God's heart toward everyone who comes to Jesus, that he will never cast them out. And the way I just said that, it might sound like I'm saying that God's disposition toward you is the result of you coming to Jesus. But it's actually the very opposite. Your ability even to come to Jesus 
is because of the love of God that chose you before the foundation of the world. What Jesus said right before he said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out, is this. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. You see, God's commitment to his people doesn't start when they believe in him. God has been fully committed to his people from the very beginning. And Jesus invites everyone to come to him. But there's only one group of people uh, that Jesus explicitly says about them, let them come to me. Uh, And that group of people is children. Jesus says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. And Jesus saying this was important enough for all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to include. And at Sacred Road, uh, we do a lot of children's ministry, whether it's uh, kids clubs in the summer, or church on Sunday, or outreach events, or uh, our after school program. And when things in the community or things with the ministry are hard, uh, one of the things that we always remind ourselves and remind each other is uh, the kids are worth it. That all of the the labor we invest and all the sacrifices we make are worth it for the kids. And on the Yakima Reservation, uh, like like I mentioned, Sacred Road has had a year-round presence uh, with Hope Fellowship, Church Plant, and the youth group and the children's ministry, uh, in addition to the one-week teams uh, that we host in the spring and the summer. And uh, like I also mentioned uh, before, uh, Sacred Road has also had summer teams on the Warm Springs Reservation uh, since 2007. And, uh, and so throughout the years, uh, we've had those teams and we've built relationship and trust with people. Uh, we've had work projects and kids clubs. And in Warm Springs, we do the kids clubs at the uh, Warm Springs Boys and Girls Club. And so we're able to play with the kids there, uh, give them some undivided attention and provide a safe environment for them uh, to let their guard down and just be kids, and we can share the gospel with them. And uh, through the years, something that we've seen is that uh, many of these kids at the Boys and Girls Club, uh, they already know and love Jesus, and some of them even love the church. Uh, At at an old location where where the building was right next to the parking lot, whenever we would come up with our vans at the beginning of the summer or at the beginning of every week of teams, uh, kids would come running up to the vans and be like, it's the church people, it's the church people. Um, and throughout the years, we've heard the kids in Warm Springs say things like, the church people are my favorite people. Or, when I grow up, I want to be just like the church people. And so many of these kids, uh, they, they know and love Jesus because they've experienced Jesus' love and goodness through the love and care that they've received from Jesus' people who have come on, on these one-week trips. Through, through the gospel shared with them in words and in actions. Uh, These kids know that they don't matter uh, just to us, that ultimately they matter to God. And that's an amazing thing to see, uh, that God has been working in the lives of of people in Warm Springs throughout the years, even when we've only been there uh, three or four weeks in the summer. Uh, God has been at work, and there have been people responding to Jesus' invitation to come to him. Uh, But something that was heavy on our hearts for many years for, for Evan and Holly and me is that even though some of these kids uh, know Jesus and love his church, almost none of these kids has a church home where they can experience the embrace of God's love throughout the year. And most of them don't have much access to the good news of God's love uh, throughout the year. Jesus said, I will never throw out the one who comes to me. And he said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. And God has been working in Warm Springs Uh, But not having a church home is a hindrance to many people uh, coming to Jesus and experiencing his goodness and love. Uh, So one of the things that's that's been most exciting about what we've gotten to do uh, now that we've moved to Oregon 
is working with the young people. Uh, like I mentioned, we've gotten connected with the Warm Springs Baptist Church, and we've been running a kids program there on Sunday evenings for uh, some of the, the kids connected there. And we've also been really involved with the Young Life Club in Warm Springs. And one of the, one of the neat things is that there are a few middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, who've gotten connected to Young Life recently who uh, we had met years ago when they were little kids at Kids Club. And so it's a real blessing to see um, some of the kids that we've known and prayed for for years uh, getting more plugged in with God's people. And we're praying for a lot more of that as we continue to live and serve in Warm Springs. One of our big desires for a full-time ministry in Warm Springs is for many people to know the love of Jesus and find a home in his church uh, where they can grow in grace and in love for God and one another, where they can hear God's word and live it out in community, uh, where they can have access to his ordinary means of grace. Uh, And we believe that, that among those that the Father has given to Jesus, the Son, that there are many people in Warm Springs both now and in generations to come. And we, we have faith that they will come to Jesus. And they will know a love that redeems them, that embraces them, and that will never cast them out or throw them away. God's love toward needy and sinful people is what all of us need. Uh, but do you ever have moments of cynicism when you think that a love that always welcomes you and never throws you out is too good to be true? How can we know that this good news is actually true news? Well, the answer that this passage gives is in verses 38 and 39. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. You see, before we came to Jesus, Jesus came down to us. He came as a human and experienced all of our suffering. He felt the heavy weight of the world's brokenness. He lived a perfect life. Like verse 38 says, he came to do the Father's will. And he bore our sins on the cross, giving us his perfect obedience. The language of never being cast out in verse 37 isn't just a picture of God bringing us in. If you look in other parts of the Bible, language about being cast out is a picture of God's judgment for the ways that we disobey him and hurt one another. The Bible teaches that God is perfect, and so he would be just to cast us out for the ways that we disobey him and run away from him. But when Jesus says that he will never cast out anyone who comes to him, he also means that if we believe in him, we will never be condemned under God's righteous judgment. Because Jesus, God's perfect son, was cast out so that we could be brought into the Father's eternal embrace and never have to be afraid of being cast out. And there's even more. The language of never being cast out isn't just about Jesus taking the punishment for our guilt. It's also about how God has dealt with our shame. All of us, we have shame uh, written into our stories uh, that makes us want to shrink down into nothing or get big and destroy everything that threatens to reveal our vulnerability. And the thing about shame is that it disconnects us from ourselves and it disconnects us from other people. Uh, But it's impossible to deal with shame when you're disconnected from other people. But when Jesus came down as a human, he entered into the story of the world's shame. And he entered your story of shame. He experienced all of it. And he didn't shrink back or look away from the parts of your story that make you want to shrink back or look away. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, the cross was the ultimate tool of humiliation and shame used by the Roman Empire. They stripped Jesus naked and hung him on a cross as a public spectacle. If you've ever felt powerless and ashamed, Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. But even more than the shame and powerlessness of hanging naked on a Roman cross, Jesus also experienced the shame of the Father turning his face away from him. And Jesus did that so that the Father would never turn his face away from you. This is why Jesus can say that he will never cast out anyone who comes to him, because he was cast out instead of them. He took our punishment and our shame. And when God looks at you, he sees all of you, the glorious and beautiful parts, and the parts that you would consider ugly or shameful. He sees all of you, and he doesn't look away. He can't look away. And he isn't ashamed of you. Jesus isn't ashamed to call you his little sister, his little brother. And God the Father isn't ashamed to call you his beloved child. In Numbers 6, God puts his name on his people by giving them this blessing. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh turn his face toward you and give you peace. This blessing was the foundation of who God's people were. And it belongs to us because of Jesus' work for us. The Lord can turn his face toward us because he turned his face away from Jesus on the cross. And because we are his children, his face shines on us. Can you believe that? When you imagine God looking at you, what sort of expression do you imagine being on his face? Maybe you imagine God uh, looking down on you with anger because you haven't measured up to his perfect law. Maybe you, you imagine him looking down at you with disappointment because you haven't done great things for him. Maybe you, you imagine God looking down at you with indifference, like it's okay that you're here, but he's not really excited to see you. Or maybe you even imagine God turning his face away in shame or disgust because of the things you've done or because you feel too broken to be worth restoring. Brothers and sisters, all of these are a lie. Because of Jesus' work, God's face shines on us. In other words, when God sees you, his face lights up. One of my favorite authors, a guy named Kurt Thompson, uh, writes that we're all born looking for a face that's looking for us. For some of us, the face... That face was the face of our parents and family and loved ones. Uh, for some of us, uh, we never had that face, and we've never seen, felt seen and cared for uh, the way that we needed. But in Jesus, that face is the face of God himself. The face of God the Son, Jesus, who became a human to enter our shame and powerlessness, to take on our sin and never turn away from us. The face of God the Father, who turned his face away from the perfect Son, so that his face could shine on all the children that he brought into his family through the work of his Son, Jesus. And now because we are united to Jesus, his resurrection and ascension also guarantee that he will raise us up on the last day. The good news that we believe is true because Jesus' work for us is already complete. Jesus, never being Jesus being cast out is a sure basis on which he can guarantee that we will never be cast out. And uh, just like the Father's disposition toward us isn't the result of us coming to Jesus, 
Uh, the Father's love for us also isn't the result of Jesus dying for us. It's the other way around. Jesus' death on the cross is an expression of the Father's love toward everyone that he's given to the Son. It's the Father who has sent Jesus as the bread of heaven to give life to the world. And I want to reiterate what we, what we already said earlier, that Jesus, our bread from heaven, is sufficient to meet your deepest need. The eternal life that he came to give, uh, it doesn't just start when he raises you up on the last day. It started the moment that he brought you into fellowship with himself and the Father and the Spirit. And his intent for you is for you to know the joy and fullness of life with him, even now. Jesus is enough. There's going to be seasons, maybe you're in one right now, when you lose sight of how good Jesus truly is to you, when you feel like you've lost your hold on Jesus. But Jesus will never lose a hold of you, and he will never cast you out. In verse 39, Jesus says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Jesus will not lose you. You will look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. And on the last day, Jesus will raise you up with himself. No more besetting sin. No more chronic pain. No more loneliness. No more heartache. And you will see your Savior face to face. You'll finally see Jesus' face shining on you the way it is now and you just can't see it yet. You will know him with all of who you are, just like he knows you fully. And you will experience fully the eternal life that he came to give us a taste of even now. So Jesus, he came down as the bread of heaven, more than enough to satisfy the deepest hunger of your soul, and more than enough to give life to the world. And Jesus also gives us out uh, to nourish and bring life to those around us. Jesus has promised to never cast us out, so he doesn't cast us out, but he does send us out in his love uh, to move toward others so that they can also experience God's love toward needy sinners like us. Uh, in John 20, when Jesus is giving his disciples the Holy Spirit, he tells them, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And as a church, empowered by God's Spirit, uh, we're also sent to those around us. Uh, my colleagues Evan and Holly Shaw and I, we've been sent to Warm Springs uh, to share the good news of Jesus' love there. And we're very humbled uh, by this privilege and responsibility. And our deep desire is to see many people in Warm Springs uh, come alive in the love of God. And I also want to ask you guys, as, as individuals and as a church body, how is God calling you this week to move toward others in his love, in your homes and families, in your neighborhood, in your work, in your school, or anywhere else? Ask God where he is sending you. Uh, just like God delights in embracing you, he also delights in embracing others through you. Uh, so let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for sending Jesus uh, as a bread from heaven. Uh, thank you that... Uh, your heart for sinners uh, such that you bring us in and don't cast us out and that uh, we can know your love through Jesus. And uh, we pray that uh, through your table uh, we would know uh, in our bodies uh, that you love us and uh, that you're enough for us and that, uh, yeah, you've done everything uh, to bring us in and uh, that we can love others uh, because of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.